Hello and welcome back to Baseball Night. I am joined as always by my brother Jack. Jack, you went to the Red Sox yesterday. How was it? Uh, I did. It was fun. It was a great. It was my son's first game at Fenway Park. Really a, a family building exercise. Great stuff. It's America's favorite ballpark, Tom. I don't know if you knew that. Well, I like a lot of things going on right now. I disagree with a lot of America. Um, <laughs> but listen, I'm not going to get into it. I have my personal feelings about it being a museum and a place to go and visit and just a historical site, which it is, and maybe a more comfortable one being built somewhere else. But that's just me. Um, I did sit in a seat that faced the field, so that was probably why I would, um, you know, fake the pitcher's mound where the action opening. So that wasn't bad. But I like, I mean, I, I view that there's a lot of un- parts of Fenway but uh experience itself was written yeah yeah I mean in 16 and 17 I had a a 10-pack bundle section 38 in the bleachers I mean you face the field it's great yeah if if you're if you have good seats there then it's fun but if you're also just just sorry to cut you off here but just to add or some challenge maybe some Fenway lore I remember those seats they were about 25 rows in front of Ted Williams' red seat, which, come on, guys. Yeah, that oh, was discussed on. a lot when I was come, there, those 20 Come games. on, guys. <laughs> I come, love that David on, Ortiz just goes, no, it didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, and, the other day, Will Middlebrooks took a picture from the red seat, sitting in the red seat, and he said, no way. And then it's like, no, no, there's no way. No. I mean, I'm sure balls have traveled 521 feet before, but yeah, no. I know the I know Fenway was different. There was a lot more airflow then, but I'm sorry, that guy's ticket was probably 30 rows fo- more, more forward. But uh, so last week, I think I'm just gonna put a negative title on the podcast every week from now on because since we've talked, the Red Sox took. Three of four from the Angels and then two of three from the Twins. And I mean, all it did was get them back to 500, but they've played great all week. Yeah, they look an entirely different baseball team. Um, it's actually the same time we've done that where we've kind of come out heavy and hard on the Rocks, and then their next series is a three game sweep that they did against the Tigers two weeks ago. And then and, uh, they kept it rolling against the Twins this week. Um, but, yeah, they're great offensively. And, you know, we're going to get into it here in a little bit. Uh, the pitching looked completely different. It was three three, uh, three completely different efforts by starters that really make them look like a different team. Yeah, it's – so, I mean, let's let's uh, just go go there. We can't, we have to start with the person we, we shit on the most. That's just fair. And when they mm-hmm. shove and make us eat our hat, we're going to have to do that. And Chris Sale, I I honestly was like, what am I watching here? Yeah. I, 11 strikeouts, six innings, one earned run. That was 2015, 2016 Chris Sale. Sure was. He did look like his old self. There. Um, I'm not gonna hop on the he's back uh, bandwagon yet. I okay. love to see intensity. I love to see him pumping out mid nineties. Um, I'd love to see a slider with about fifteen to twenty inches of break. Just Trent, just uh, fantastic. Um, I'd like to see it five to six times in a row before I say, oh, he's back. Uh, one of the most annoying things in the world is when a baseball player or any athlete really has this um, character that people assume that when they're angry or they're upset at something, they go into uh sight sale and he just breathes heavy on the mound and looks off. If that's effective for him over his five starts, terrific. Um uh, you know, he did have a great game. He had a great game. 
Am I ready to call 2016 or 2018 Chris Sale? Absolutely not. Because I've seen him have great games before and then completely get um, smacked around the next the next pitch. So excuse me, Red Sox Nation, for not uh, flinging to my knees in saying that 2016 Chris Sale. He's not. If he does this five or six or ten more times and starts the All-Star game, we'll talk. We'll talk. Uh, a midweek dominating start against the Twins in April is not going to strap a rocket ship to my back to say, oh, here they come. I just, uh, you know, great. Good for him. I hope he keeps it up. I'm not I'm not ready to anoint him as uh, the Red Sox ace yet. Yeah, I'm just, I was, I agree. I mean, we've, we've seen this. We, you know, he, last year he came out and, came back in one of his starts or maybe it was two years ago and he pumped 97 by someone in like a huge like moment. And I was like, hell yeah, this is sweet. But then, you know, he reverted back to what he's been. I Um, mean, 11 K's six innings uh, was good enough to bring ERA down to eight for the season. So let's. I think that a lot of Red Sox fans, especially over this past week, they played great. And I'm going to get, talk about how how good their offense been all year long because I think people are ignoring it. But uh, let's let's look at the forest here and not just get blinded by the tree because I think that's what's happening. Totally. And he, I mean, you gotta. The Twins are playing good right now, but it's more they're pitching than they're hitting. Uh, I I don't... Have you noticed this? This is a little bit of a tangent, but it drives me up a wall. Something happens in a Red Sox game, like Carlos Correa comes to the plate in the first game of the season. Lou Merloni is like, you know, Correa, is a, he's struggling right now, but he has a presence because that's what great players have. They have a presence and no matter what, you have to dig in and like focus. For the next fucking 27 innings, any time Carlos Correa was shown or whatever, Dave O'Brien just repeats the same thing and is like, now this is a great player who's just starting slow, but he's going to get hot. It's like, we get it. Lou Merloni said that. He goes off on these tangents. Watch it. Tonight they play against the Brewers. Something will happen. On Sunday, he will tell this he'll say the same shit yeah but anyways (laughs) the whole that i just got on that tangent but what i was going to say is the twins aren't hitting right now and if if i may if i may tom for the twins um a team-wide average of 228 with an base of 298 Mm -hmm. it's not a good offensive team so i agree with you if in June, he's averaging eight or nine strikeouts per game and has a good record. Yeah. Okay. I, okay I I'll will. buy I'll a Chris Sale jersey, and I'll cut it with a little razor blade just to just for him. I will buy a straw hat and eat it. I recently 500, watched... 521 feet away from home. Yeah. Um, oh, I didn't even put it together with the red seat. I recently have started yeah, watching, but that's haven't... What... Yeah. That yeah. was the whole It bounced off his straw hat or went through his straw hat. And then he found a ticket stub from 40 rows back and said, this is where I was sitting. Um, <laughs> 10 years before that game. <laughs> the next guy we got to talk about, my boy, Garrett Whitlock. I think he's he... both of our boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, But goes up against the Shohei Otani and Mike Trout Angels. Goes seven innings, one earned run, only five strikeouts, but who the hell cares? You give up one run over seven innings. I don't need you to strike people out. It was great. I don't it, think I don't think that Whitlock is a guy like Prime Chris Sale who's gonna strike out ten to fifteen guys a game. No. I mean, no. he'll move the ball around and keep it around. One but thing I'd like to point out that on this podcast, in this podcast since 2021, we have said over and over. Garrett Whitlock is a starter. Garrett Whitlock is a starting pitcher. He looks like a starter. He acts 
acts like a starter. He should be in your starting position. This is what you get, man. I think he is a good, not only just a starter, he is good, good starter. Yeah. Um, Chad Jennings in his bold predictions prior to the season column said, if I'm going bold here, the Red Sox are in the AL D- division series with game one started by Garrett Whitlock, who has turned into their ace. So that was his bold prediction for the season. And then he continued to say, but I don't think it's, I think the ALDS is bold. Whitlock turning into their starter. I don't, or their ace. Oh, okay. I don't think that. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't either. I think I saw him becoming the ace and when we got for row five, man, when he was 25, he's still only 27. Um, He's got plenty of time to be a, a, a solid top of the, or front of the rotation starter. Uh, and I love, I mean, I know he got smacked around by Tampa, who hasn't this year, but um, I, he looked great against the Angels. Another team that, um, went, until they came to Fenway, was playing really well. Yeah, it just was a masterful start. I almost dropped my um, Jack Savvy Sunny Ridge Lager. There's a plug for a local brewery out in Framingham. Um, but when Dave O'Brien said the Red Sox haven't had a starter go past the fifth inning or into the fifth inning, I like choked. And then sure enough, he just blows through and goes seven. Yeah. I mean, that's just so like now we haven't seen it a lot because most of their games have been high scoring affairs and they've been they've had a pretty good lead on some of their wins they have if you do six seven innings they right now they have a pretty decent bullpen get to and to turn it over well i mean like, we're gonna I'd like to we're gonna yeah talk i'd like about to see more bit. i'd like to see more games get to those eighth ninth inning guys lead where they can work because like you just said we're gonna get to it in a little bit but not kenley jansen is fun to watch pitch right now yeah. Um so so I mean before we do that we transition to the bullpen though and just sticking on the fighter or the uh, excuse me the starters. Um yesterday Hauk had a great game and I saw and I just understand the thinking of not only just the coaching and the front office but I don't understand the thinking on some of the members of the Red Sox media and fans where the you know the headline after yesterday's game was Tanner Houck looks to stay inside the Red Sox crowded rotation. My question would be like, is there any question that he should not be in their rotation? I I really hope that's a clickbait thing because he he because oh, James Paxton got shelled in Double A AA or Triple A the other day, but again we've just since he signed. Eventually, James Paxton is going to be a starting pitcher for the Red Sox. If that is that Tanner Houck moving to the bullpen, that is a bad move. Especially when you have a guy, surprise, surprise, a high risk, or no, a high reward, low risk guy who's getting hammered every time he goes out there in Corey Kluber. Why wouldn't I... I mean, fucking Madison Bumgarner just got DFA'd yesterday. You can DFA Corey Kluber or James Paxson. You can. You. Yeah. We're talking about a guy who, in Tanner Houck, has been the only consistent starter. For almost the last two years. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, once the being able to play in Canada thing got straightened out, I don't care or know what ended up happening i just legitimately do not care but he can pitch wherever now so now you have this guy and Mm -hmm. he was great yesterday he hasn't i mean this is good for any pitcher but in the lens of the red sox starters he hasn't let up more than three runs in a game that's huge I mean, he did struggle to get past the fifth inning, know, but I mean, then yesterday he goes seven innings, seven strikeouts. Yeah. Um, yeah I, he's, I, had a, he's had a good run. 
Um, I just don't understand why you would even consider taking Whitlock and Hauk out. You have young guys. I mean, come on. Yeah. And they're best friends, too, which is nice. Yeah, great. Keep them. Keep them happy. Keep them liking each other. Uh, yeah, but you did the name that we, we have to talk about. As we talked about the good, say Whitlock, yesterday Hauk. The bad, um, and right at the top of the bad list, Corey Kluber is not an answer in the Red Sox rotation. He, you know, Jack, he just isn't it. He just isn't it. That's all. I, mm-hmm. The thing, so this is what frustrates me about this high reward, low risk signings that they do. They're afraid to cut ties. It's like yeah, if oh, it's yeah. a high, if it's a low risk, high reward thing, that means you can just cut the ties. Mm-hmm. Just, I know it's early, but let's let's be honest. His ERA last year was four four point three. He, I think they liked how he didn't walk anyone. Well, he's walking four guys a game now. He and two years ago with the Yankees, he walked three guys a game. I, I mean. It's, it's, he's the guy to move out of the bullpen or out of the rotation. Oh, 100%. And they gave him $10 million. I know it's monopoly money, but come on. Yeah. Well, it's not, it's monopoly money until it's not, until they can claim, uh, oh, wait, we need to, we need to tighten this up. Um, An 8.50 ERA, fielding into pitching 7.45. So it's not uh, like his FIP is down to four. No, he's terrible. He's terrible. His batting average on balls and play is 260, which means people are just squaring him up. And a quarter of the fly balls he gives up go out of the a ballpark. A quarter. A quarter of them. One hey, in four go oh, bye-bye. It's it's so it's just so bad. It's it's one of, I just don't I wonder I'm, if he's even had a quality start this year. He can't. Um, let's no, he didn't. Game log. Against Pittsburgh, he went five innings and got one earned. So that that's not a quality start. Do you have to go six? Seven. I don't think it's seven. Oh, it might be seven, six then. Uh, if it's oddly five, enough, he got the loss that game. Yeah. All right. A quality start, six innings, and allows three earned runs or fewer. So, All right, so yeah, not a quality start. Uh, so five innings pitched, four point two. Five innings, three point one, is what Corey put on. And Alex Cora basically, you know, when he was getting shelled on Wednesday night, the nineteenth against Minnesota, Cora didn't have anybody in the bullpen. Cora basically said, "This is yours to clean up." Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I get that. I get that because you can't burn that arms, and, and there must be something that goes in Cora's head where he's just like, "Oh, we're we're gonna lose." So, yeah, and I know you've had those comebacks and stuff, and it's just not always gonna happen. You can't always come from behind. I saw a crazy stat that yesterday skewed about the percentage of innings the Red Sox have played from behind, and it's something like. Before yesterday, when they had the leadoff home run, they were playing behind in like 65% of their innings. <laughs> That's That makes sense. Uh, it does, credit, yeah. A real credit to the offense for never giving up a, like really never giving up on that bat. They're, the, offense, the offense is so much better than pitching that uh, you can watch the team and are like, damn. They had, they had something here figured out it could, it could actually be fun to watch. Yeah, before we get there, we we would be doing a disservice if we didn't talk about Kenley Jansen right now. Because... Yeah, didn't he, he... He was removed and talked about as something that they needed. I don't necessarily know that any of us were necessarily wired up when we got him. Uh, and... He is really having a year. He currently is 
one and zero with four saves. Um, he got the win, I think, in that walk off the other night with where Verdugo hit it, hit the walk off. Um, and he just wished that it was fucking. Yeah, that was great. He has a zero ERA. Now that's not going to last, but that's great. That's the yeah. best you can have if you were unaware. One hundred percent, one hundred percent of a runner that has gotten on base has not scored. He has a one hundred percent left on rate. Um, obviously, hasn't allowed a homer. Uh, the thing is, is has, I think he only has one walk, and he has a K of K through nine of thirteen and a half. Oh, he is striking guys out. Well, he's just making them look bad. That save against the Angels when it was like, here's Trout, Otani, and Renfro, and he just breezed through them so easily. It was like on 11 pitches or something like that, too. Oh, my God. He, Lou Merloni, when he was pitching, Merloni was like almost at a loss of words. He was like, this cutter is jumping this cutter is unbelievable right now well he said it was 9495 and the past years or so that's been down in the mid low 90s and now he's thrown with some zip again and he is just he looks incredible now yeah it's um it's so much better than being like okay here comes barnes here comes brazier <laughs> Oh, you didn't know who the closer was last year. <clears throat> I kept saying, bring Whitlock out in the seven, in the eighth inning and let him go two because he yeah. can pitch two innings or Hauk. And now... And I would always say to you, Whitlock is there. I know, but they had him in the bullpen. So why not <laughs> pitch know. him two or three innings? Just as soon as the starter was out, just put Whitlock in. That's what I felt like last year. Yeah. He, has, um, he has two walks. He has two walks this year. Um... Where is Kate? Can't find his Kate. Uh, anyways, oh, you got, just yeah, you got to scroll down. Fan, nine, yeah. Fangraphs is stand. You can go down to standard, and he has nine strikeouts. Nine. Right, that's pretty good. For, Thirteen. Thirteen and a half per them, nine right now. Three of them in a row. That I mean. Uh, that, but yeah, he's he's easily been their best signing. Um, uh, probably from the high and yeah. bloom era. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm trying to think. Probably yeah, is. There's no there is no better. I mean, Adam Duvall was on that pace, but yeah, I guess the Renfro one, Gold Glove and like 38 home runs was good, but they traded him. him. I, was, I thought he inherited him. I think he signed him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they. It's just it's just nice to see that at the end of the game, it's a guy. He hasn't been as much of a heart attack closer as he was with the Braves and uh, Dodgers the last couple of years, which is nice. But yeah. and uh, five saves away from four hundred, so good for him in a career. Yeah. And the last Red Sox topic I want to talk about is Alex Verdugo is blistering hot right now yeah he's himself a year he's slashing 338 407 481 he has according to fan graphs a 149 wrc plus and he's already worth one war he was 1.2 last year even 2000 or 2020 and 2021 where he had really good years with the red sox his the most he was worth was two war yeah. So it's just seems like he's taken the challenge Cora gave him last year to heart. Yeah, um uh, there are a couple of things. Uh I mean, he's having better at bats like all across the board. Um got the one thing I really liked is when they had that crazy string lefties that they faced over the last 2 weeks. Um he was pissed that Cora moved him out of the the off spot. And I like that. He's like, I should be the leadoff hitter on this team. I should be the leadoff regardless if it's a righty or a lefty. And I think he's proved now. So good for him. I mean, he's hitting 38 through April. Two homers. He's uh, really the perfect guy in that lineup to be the leadoff hitter. The perfect guy. I 
Still don't get why in 2021 it changed. He got traded over here uh, under crappy circumstances, which I've talked about. I've always liked Verdugo, but he's linked to being traded for Mookie. Now, we can talk about the other nonsense that came and never turned into anything, but it's in this. If Connor Wong doesn't make it, then it's looking like a one on one trade. Then you have to just compare the two guys, which is unfair to Verdugo because he's been good since last year, the second half of the year after the All Star break. He slashed 304, 356, 447 with a. 124 weighted runs created. He was awesome at the end of the year last year, second half. Yeah, he was. Um, he's never really had a bad year. No, he hasn't. Not with the Red Sox. The lowest. I mean, it's stupid to at this point with what we know about sport or the sport of baseball to just look at batting average. But if you want to look at batting average, the lowest he's hit is 280. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and, I mean that in that in that uh, year he also. Um, I mean, the one thing that I'm looking at right now, especially on fan graphs, is things from last year. His K percentage is down. He's striking out a lot less, a lot less than he was last year, and he's walking more. I mean, his on base percentage is higher than it's been. You know, it might go down, uh, but he's always around mid three hundreds. And now he's up over 400 for on-base percentage, which means he's actually seeing some pitches. He's 27. He's in the prime of his career. Um, He's looking to have himself a pretty decent year. There's nothing. If you look at just his Fangraph's page right now and what he's done this year, everyone that knows anything about baseball would be like, does that guy lead off? Because that's great leadoff stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like, okay, if he ends up as a 15 homer guy, his career high is 13. If that's what he is, fine. If he leads off, if he has a mid threes and higher on base percentage right in front of Rafael Devers and the well, that whole crusher Rob Refschneider. That's the that's the main that is the main thing. Is he he is his job to get on base for Devers and that's the one our biggest concern about the offense were is he going to have any protection I mean I'll argue that I still don't think he does um which makes his season even more impressive um it's ridiculous what he's doing with who's behind him and And I I don't I've turned out not to hate Justin Turner I don't I didn't think I would I was just like well is this the answer kind of thing and but it's still not a three-hole hitter no, that is that is the high that is the typical high bloom signing of let's get a major leaguer who we know has played in the leagues before, and we'll kind of base that around it. We'll we'll just base that around that um, that Justin Turner has played in the major leagues before, and it's the epitome of what you were saying about guys like Kluber and Duvall. Duper risk, super high rewards. Even Kenley Jansen, to some point, was low risk, high reward. You know, I was as I was talking about Kluber and the low risk, high reward. It is low risk really the thing to say when maybe low cost. There is a risk because you're losing. You're giving up because, seven runs yeah. a game. That so so now you've I lost guess. four games that he started. That's a that's risky. For I'm, your I, season. I'm I'm saying I'm saying risk purely from a monetary standpoint. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's the, the point. Red Sox yeah. front office work. in length. Yeah. All right. The they now this is interesting because they play a weekend series against the Brewers who pitch like sons of bitches. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see. Do is it going to be the Rays again where you end up scoring like what three runs for an entire series? It's a fair question because it's kind of a Jekyll and Hyde. Like, is it going to be the team that puts up eight runs a game and has nails pitching? Or is it going to be the Boston Red Sox? So total, I guess against the Rays, they did score seven runs in a game, but still lost. lost time. Uh, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> so the there's been a wild, I had, I just had was like looking for MLB topics to talk about this week. And I was like, I don't know, the Braves have won eight of nine. 
that's good. Matt Chapman's playing well, but then since I sent out the rundown, tons of shit has happened. Let's start yeah, with the first some one. Real, some real news happened. <laughs> Which is, we're at the point of the season where news is happening, so things are... So the first one, Max Scherzer got ejected from a game against the Dodgers for a sticky substance. He and if you... Was rosin. Well, yeah, it was rosin. Phil Cuzzy even said, like, that's too much rosin. And... The whole saga of it was they asked him to wash his hand. So he asked, he washed his hand off with alcohol, came back out and put rosin on his hand because there's a rosin bag behind the mound. They checked again. And they were like, but it's on your glove. Go switch your glove. He switched his glove. They let him pitch the next inning after that happened. Then they checked his hand again and said, you have to wash this off. And this is all from Scherzer. He washed his hands in front of an MLB official with water. Mm -hmm. And he said, I'd have to be an absolute idiot to go back out in the fourth inning, knowing they're going to check my hand to put something on it. He said, I put water on and I put rosin on and it got clumpy. Phil Cuzzy checked it again, said, no, you're gone, buddy. And interesting. He said, buddy. Yep. Interesting note. Since this sticky stuff crackdown has happened, there have been three objections, every single one of them by Phil Cuzzy. And Max Scherzer is now suspended for 10 games. He doesn't get to go in front of a uh, neutral arbiter. Yep. That was the agreement. I I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to believe. I just feel like it was probably rosin, and he was probably just using too much. So a couple of things. Last year, there was an article in The Athletic saying that LB has for has dumbed down their enforcement policy and the checking of the sticky stuff um, without really anybody noticing. Mm -hmm. They don't have an effective how do we deal with this policy? Because I think that some guys are still doing it, obviously. And to tell you the truth, I think Max Scherzer knows exactly what too much rosin is. Probably. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm not, I don't believe that. Uh, first off, I didn't know that all three ejections have the same umpire that just screams Cowboy Joe West energy to me, uh, mm-hmm. where he's got the blue shirt and he's, so that means here than the, the players on the field, which is the least effective way to umpire a baseball game. Um. But I think that League Baseball needs to get a letter of law where they're like, hey, it's, you know, it's this much. And you know what? If it if it's a 10-game ten, ten suspension is a lot for a starting pitcher. That's two starts. Um, so maybe three starts. But I, I just, uh, I don't know. I, I think that Scherzer was probably wrong, but I don't think that baseball has a – uh, a one policy that said this is how much this is how much we're going to suspend you if you use x amount of whatever um so i still think a lot of guys are still doing it skirting the rules i think it's like the uh no shift and then you see alex cora play two fielders at second base where it's just like okay cool uh you're still trying to cheat so i mean or, or at least gets an advantage in the system that it's it's it looks like you're cheating. So I don't know. I think that if if you if you're not allowed to use sticky stuff, having a big clump of rod or glove counts as sticky stuff, and you should be uh, punished. That. However, I think baseball, Major League Baseball, needs to get their shit together on on what that punch should be, because ten games and a fine without seeing an arbiter is pretty pretty severe. Yeah. And you gotta, you gotta come up with something like if you're going to put a rosin bag on the mound, what are, what's, what's our limit here with rosin? What just get rid of it, which yeah. I don't think they will. Cause it's always just been a part of the game. But like, do you have to say to the pitcher, like you have to go to the mound with a dry hand. Do you have to check their hand before the inning instead of after See, now I'll be confused because I thought that's what they'd for. That's why the reason they're having them check inside their glove and stuff like that. Like, I I don't get 
I don't even slightest bit of anything would be if I was an umpire. I'd be like, "What? Go watch it. What is?" But at like, the same time, we you can watch any game in the in Major League Baseball and watch a guy just wipe sweat from his head and then touch a rosin bag and then you get tack. Like it's yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, can you you point. can't outlaw sweat? Like no, I, but. I, I don't know. I, I think that's why that... I'm just saying if it's rosin, he got ejected for it's like you have to really specify something with rosin if you're going to allow a bag of it on the mound. Yeah, I mean, he's having a shit year anyways, so. Yeah, I'm I'm I agree that I don't know. It's just it is also, you know, is a little fishy that it's Phil Cuzzy and that it turns out he's done it three times. Yeah, that's correct. I didn't. I had no idea about that. So uh, again, that that kind of changes the like, you know, why I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand why Major League Baseball lets some of the umpires be as bad as they are in control games the way that they do. I truthfully don't understand it. There is a Reddit on the baseball subreddit. You can go on every day and find the umpire report card, every single umpire. And some of them are horrible. Angel Hernandez? I mean, that's... Guy, I don't... The guys, he's there's... he's bad. He's the possibly the does job worse than anybody else in the country. Yeah, I mean, it's... He trends on Twitter when he does um, playoff games. Teams are like, shit, Angel Hernandez is... Which, my playoff game. If if Rob Manfred had any sense at all, he would look at that and be like, "Why is an umpire trending?" Oh, because he's dog shit. Hey, they must have a strong union because he's bad, and he's yeah. just not leaving. Because, like I said, every single time, and when he does the plate, I mean, Schwarber lost his shit on him last year. Yeah, in every like baseball. Uh, there was a baseball bits 30 minute vid or 50 minute video on how bad of an umpire Andrew Hernandez is. Yeah, it's it's but the Scherzer thing is we're getting off topic. <laughs> it's I I just thought he would go between before an arbiter. It's messed up that he didn't, but I maybe that was in the CBA when they came up with this sick, sticky stuff crackdown, or it's like the Manfred can just do whatever he wants clause. I think that's always been in there about the commissioner. Uh, the next thing that's even more frustrating is let me set you a scene. You're a billionaire. You're not spending monies, monies. You're not spending any money on the team you own. You bitch about a stadium, but won't build a new one in the city. All you want to do is lobby to move a new city. And then you're unwilling to work with anybody in that city on their city council or their city government to get a real deal done because you want to say, oh, this is the city, but you're a billionaire who won't buy your own stadium. But I'm sorry. I think we're talking right. about the same. Which is interesting because the crappy baseball stadium had a perfectly fine basketball stadium right next to it, but they wanted to move and they privately funded their billion dollar stadium. They're a successful franchise cares about their fan base. But the A's moved out of that same city too. Right. They moved across the bay. True. The A's whiny billionaire owner got his way and the they are moving to Las Vegas. Yep. In what they say they believe in 2027. And they're leaving Oakland where they've won four titles. And I i mean, it just sucks. I was thinking about this, how I physically don't know if I could stand if one of my favorite teams moved. Luckily, they all are so ingrained in the like city now. There no it's Boston sports team here. is going to move. Yeah. But holy shit, I don't know if I could handle that. I, I feel bad for all A's fans. Oh, so do I. I feel bad for all Ace fans. I feel bad for Ricky Henderson, uh, Kaddish Hunter, Dennis Eckersley, Vita Blue, Re Reggie Chin to a certain extent. Anybody that won in Oakland. Um, I feel bad, like you said, for the fans that when they have a good team, show up and are pretty crazy. Uh, Jared Carabas, um, 
when Grant Balfour was, you know, at the height of his power in the crazy like master of puppets Metallica entrance on mm-hmm. um on Twitter the other day he put out and that was sick. Uh there's a lot of good memories. It's the shittiest stadium in the MLB. Um since podcast has started, the Oakland Athletics have spent less money than you and I. Um and, and that's saying you know a lot what? if you hear Jack today. They don't they just don't um they don't care. and the worst part is they're not going to care about baseball to get to Las Vegas. Yeah. It's not like their strategy money ball is gonna change when they go to Vegas. They just want people to come to the games and they know people in Las Vegas who have been desperate for sports over the past decade now have an NHL and an NFL franchise. They're gonna come to the games. They're going to have an NBA franchise when the Red Sox owners buy that. Benway Roush, babe. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, but but no, they're, so the, the shitty billionaire owner of the A's who has, I saw again on the baseball subreddit, a lot more money, a lot more other owners in the MLB. Um, Mitch didn't complain. Nobody coming to his old-ass stadium that, I mean... You don't play. They used to play football when the when the Oakland had a franchise. Uh, nobody to his old stadium that should have been replaced. You know, maybe after they kept making the World Series in the nineties. Nobody comes to his team because. Uh, nobody comes to his stadium because he one off season spend zero dollars to improve his team. Not hyperbole. That is not a mistake in what I said. He spent zero dollars one season. Zero. Expects fans to come and see a last place team who routinely get called the Oakland Triple A's. I mean, I I hope that the team does well, but it's I I also hope they just I hope nobody, nobody in the city of Oakland goes to those games in the next three years. Well, that's the thing. That's what you have to do. And they already weren't, but I'm saying. Nobody. Just... I'm talking less thousand people in attendance. And it'll never happen. <laughs> Look, I said I didn't want to go to Sox games this year. It's, April. it's not even the end of April. I've been to two. So yeah, I mean, you've been to 10% of the games. People are going to go. Um, but it's just, it's bullshit. It's bullshit for the city of Oakland, which, by the way, is not a great place. Um, this is a huge, uh, two things, the NFL, the Raiders leaving, and now the athletics leaving are two main sources of income for the city. It it doesn't help any. The only thing it helps is that asshole owner and the city of Vegas. Yeah, I, it's in both teams, same location to Vegas. It's like just a double kick in the nuts. Um, I just don't yeah. know. It's like, so now Oakland has nothing. And they're not, the only hope is in however many years when MLB expands to 32 teams, it seems like that might happen. If people are like, we feel bad, build a new stadium, put them back. Kind of like they did in the NBA with the, bobcats or which now the hornets again um that has happened it happened in baseball with the royals the roy the a's moved out of kc to oakland and then mlb felt not felt bad got a lot of heat from the city Uh, but at this point yeah this point with the city it probably is a wash but imagine the next closest team is the giants who you've probably grown up to know to hate to hate so that sucks yeah it just is it's bullshit the whole billionaire owner thing that won't privately fund a stadium and then bitch about that's was it san juan or san jose they had that mock-up of a stadium right on the water yeah i mean that looked awesome and it seemed like that is what the city wanted for money but san san jose is like 40 minutes south of oakland so it's not I get that, 
but driving 40 minutes to a game is a lot better than your team just leaving. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there was there was talk for a while lived in Long Beach that they were going to throw a new Angels on the waterfront in Long Beach, uh, which would have been great. But well, I mean, who knows? The, the uh, it, Angels are in a different situation. If you can't attract people and get a new stadium with Trout and Otani, then you're going to lose Otani and you're fucked. Yeah. No, it sucks. It definitely sucks. All right. So. I think from now on, we're going to try and pick the mood of this up. Uh, Fernando Tatis. Oh, well, no, let's go. These are two of Jack's boys coming up. So first, yeah. Clayton Kershaw let's joined. Let's go. The Clayton Kershaw joined the 200 win club, uh-huh. which, you know, is going to probably be the more exclusive club now. 300 is just not going to happen. No. And 200 might be the club and uh, he did that the other night. Talk about your boy. Um, I think that, you know, what else can I say? Um, I think he's one of the best pitchers of his generation. Um, I think that a lot of people, and I don't even think that's true. I think a lot of people are in agreement that Kershaw is one of the best of his generation to do it. I think, though, uh, at least in my circle of friends, he gets a lot of uh, flack for not throwing enough innings, um, which I, I I don't I don't necessarily agree with. But um, I I think that when it comes down to, I mean, not only Dodgers pitchers but just lefties, he's probably in, you know, he's probably an elite elite group. Of lefties, he's go, he's going to be a first ballot hall. Yeah, and I, I mean, think that once once he gets done. So I saw, I, I talked about it last week as my um my one of my follows on Twitter now is the pitching ninja, and the pitching ninja put out a saw after the two hundredth win that says. Maddox or Kershaw, who you got? And everybody, obviously, like 80% of the mentions were Maddox. Five minutes later, he put out, go to fans, compare their careers, and tell me again. Without the big, um, obviously, Maddox has 300 wins, pitched for 25 years. He's not going to get those accumulation stats. Kershaw is frigging nasty when you drill down into some of his just really unbelievable stuff. I mean, in 2016, his 28 is age 28 season, 12 and four with a one six nine ERA. I mean, has an over three ERA twice in his career. Twice he's allowed more than three runs a game. I think people overall. Need to start a lot more respect on Clayton Kershaw's name. Yeah, you know, as you're talking the innings thing, he has 2,600. It's not, he's broken 200 innings, one, two, three, four, five, five times. And then another time he pitched 198. Yeah. I And in that, I mean, in those 200 seasons, uh, 213. 198 season, 177 ERA, 236, 183. He's incredible. He's yeah, that incredible. that um, 2011 to 20, really 2018, but mainly 2017 run. No, 2018, a 2.79 ERA is fucking filthy. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's see, it's funny the. Uh, pitching ninja picked Maddox. That's a good choice because it's Verlander, like in this generation that he's compared to. Yeah, yeah. And Verlander is a good, you know, lit litmus test because he uh, they both won the MVP and Cy Young the same season, like in the same year. Not they didn't do it the exact same year, but you know what I mean. Um. They both, TBH, haven't done great in the playoffs. Um, 
They both kind of recently had good starts in the playoffs. Verlander was, what was he, 0-6 until this year in the World Series? Yep. Yeah, it, I read... Um, well, that's the other thing, too, is that Kershaw sucks in the playoffs, is, is what I hear, too. And he's not, to be fair, he is not great. Not the same. Um no. Let's see. I I read an article on Fangraphs about 200 game winners and just as like a show you how even though, you know, people are moving away from p- pitcher wins as a viable like greatness uh test stat. The next closest person on according to the Fangraphs like odds to get 200 is Garrett Cole. But he's right now 32 and has 134 wins. That's going to be tough. Yeah. And then you get that. Actually, surprisingly, a Dodger lefty is right after Cole. Um, Julio Arias, 26, 52 wins, but they gave him a 51% chance, according to whatever. I mean, 300 wins is. No, there's 200. I know know we're talking about 200, but just going back to like the the heyday where you get those inner circle Hall of Fame members was like, all right, what are the numbers? Like 500 home runs, 3,000 hits, 300 wins, automatic automatic Hall of Fame guy. Now it's almost like 150 home runs, uh, 2,000 hits, and 200 wins of the accumulation stats. And that's just because like two things, opinion. One, I think the uh, war, FIP, uh, WRC, WOBA, I think all of that stuff plays more to how we evaluate baseball players now. And two, I mean, nobody's playing for 25 years anymore. There's no Craigios sticking around to get 3,000 hits. Unless you count Albert Pujols sticking around to get 700 home runs. Yeah, well, Sure. But I mean, he'll he'll probably be the last guy to play over twenty years. I mean, I don't think that Aaron just going to play fifteen more seasons to try to get five hundred home runs. Yeah. Plus, I mean, let's be honest. But, Pujols had a pretty good year actually last year, so he had twenty four home runs. But yeah, he I had a great year. Um, no, I agree. But it's also. Those numbers are only the milestones for certain players because some people have been blacklisted from getting into the Hall of Fame, even though they were Hall of Famers before certain things were brought up. But yeah, we talk, we talk inadvertently, we talk a lot about both Mookie Betts and Barons on this podcast. <laughs> Betts and who? Bonds. Oh, yeah. Or how about the Rocket? Roger Clemens, who was a Hall of Fame pitcher in his time with the Red Sox. Um, yeah, so <sighs> Kershaw, you know what someone pointed out once, and I was and I was like, I wonder if that plays into it a little tiny bit. Kershaw has a wonky, weird delivery. Mm-hmm. And he said, I don't aesthetically like watching Clayton Kershaw pitch because it's so weird and and it's just it it does add a little bit to like yeah he's great but he's like not fun to watch but really go to baseball reference or fan graphs and look at that 2011 to 2018 run it's unassailable yeah three times I mean, his era was under 2 and every other time it was under 3 yeah not like it's pretty impressive when you start looking at it I mean, I'm just going to share this screen with him just because I was curious when he said it. Um, this is ERA comparisons to Verlander. I mean, just way under. With this, yeah. uh, the exception of this last year where Verlander had a sub-2 ERA. I mean, that is way under. Yeah, you know, it's it's an interesting debate because it goes so much into, like, lefty with a nasty slider against a power pitching strikeout righty, but Kershaw would strike motherfuckers out too. It's Oh yeah. So let's see, there were, wow, there were a bunch of guys under three ERA last year, 19. Damn. That's a lot, but the game's changed too. 
Uh, finally, Jack, <laughs> we can talk about your other boy, Fernando Tatis, is back. Mm-hmm. Starting, starts MV, National League MVP camp yesterday. Started his National League MVP campaign yesterday. Oh, wow. Wow. That's, I know you said it, but I'm like, uh, that's, that's still, it's pretty bold. Yeah. There are some guys had seasons to start to, uh, Pete Alonzo is probably the leader for that right now. Um, but yeah, love, I love it. That the, the way that lineup sets up is so good. Uh, Tis, Soto, Machado, Bogarts. Yikes. Yeah. Yikes. Yep. You're not, there's not a lot of outs at the top of that lineup. Although, Juan Soto has been struggling. He has a, yeah. I, I, again, I think you can't really say that there's no production or protection in his lineup because he was batting out of Manny Machado and Xander Bogarts. Um, but now he's got a nice little relation as a two hitter. Uh, I personally don't think that uh, I, I'm not worried about any of these, uh, unless I, I get more worried about pitchers than I do hitters in it. Um, by the way, Bogarts has reached base in all of his pay- Padres games. Jack Listen. Um, he, uh, if you want to hurt I, me, I go just, ahead. I can take it. I get it. He, uh, but I, I don't know. I, I, I actually wanted to, when we were talking about Red Sox, um, I think that Casas has had really good at bats over the last week. Um, mm-hmm. And I've heard Merloni, who, by the way, a hundred times better than Euclid in the booth. A hundred yeah. times better. Um, and I like you. I, it's not that I don't like you. Uh, but I think that Casas right now reminds me so much. And this is going to be, this is going to drop some ire. Reminds me so much of 2007 Dustin Pedroia. Where he played like crap in April. And everybody was like, he sucks. He's not ready. Da 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 da. And then he hit 450 in May. I know I'm not saying that Tristan Casas is going to hit, Casas is going to hit 50 next month, but I definitely think he's right path. I definitely think he's improving game to game. Yeah, I agree. I thought, I thought that same thing. Uh, Especially since that laser show in the booth, but actually, when he was in the, I was like, uh, "This is for the first time in my life." I, I'm really liking all the things Dustin enjoys. Yeah, yeah, and then he, um, Casas. I don't know. I was listening to a podcast on the Athletic. Someone brought up with rookies, you want them to have. something like 500 pitches seen before you can start developing like 10, like, okay, this is, they're struggling this year, which is works out to be like a hundred at bats. If you mm-hmm. give or take of, you know, the, the average pitches. So it's still super early. He's still young. They played fucking like eight out of nine lefties. Give me, give me a run of righties and warmer weather. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not ready to get upset about Casas yet. No, and I know we started that on Fernando Tatis. Uh, bottom line on Fernando Tatis, I think he'll be somewhere close to the NL lead in home runs by the end of May. Uh, I think that he ha- he doesn't play a lot of games because he's the guy. The stupid suspension, the stupid injury riding a motorcycle. Like there's a lot of extracurriculars that are keeping Fernando Tatis like down. He's mm-hmm. a very prolific home run hitter. In his best season, he played 130 games and hit 42 homers. Like, there is potential there for him to be a 50 home guy. So, I, I think that he he catches a run. He goes on these crazy, like, five-game runs where he hits seven home runs. So, you know, I just think that I, I can't – I'm excited back because I can't wait to watch him. And one, still one of my favorite things in the world – is uh, at 10 o'clock and 9.30 to tug at night, putting on the Padres and listen to Don Orsillo excitedly calling a baseball game. Yeah, old Donnie-o. Uh Speaking of that, have you watched MLB Big Inning at all? No. 
Jack, do yourself a favor. Maybe not tonight because Celtics play. But at some point, eh, weekends are tough because they have a lot of day games. So next next week, say Monday or Tuesday, log into MLB.tv, watch the big inning. It's double box, triple box. They're switching the audio. It's oh, they're okay. doing a they're doing like a red zone type red thing. Zone. I, like I put it on the other day with the Red Sox actually on my laptop and it was awesome. It just, they'd go right to the ninth innings when the closers are in. I saw the Braves walk a game off. It's just, it's good stuff. Starts at eight 30 every night. Check it out. All right. Let's see what you got for me, big boy. Uh, we want to, what we're looking forward to this weekend. Cause there is stuff oh, going yeah. around the old, I have, uh, I have Otani pitches Friday night. So that's, that's always tonight, a yeah. that's a must watch. Yep. The no um, and he Astros didn't get to Braves. pitch in Monday on. He didn't. Really I know get to we didn't talk on. about that. Uh, marathon was kind of blah. That game I usually love it, but it was just crappy oh, and rainy. And... Four hour delay. Yeah. Yeah. How about Mookie playing shortstop yesterday? By the way, as I Jack. log into as I Jack. log in, it's the headline on lb.com. I. I don't. Again, to quote John Candy, <laughs> if you want to hurt me, go ahead. I can take it. I get it. I'm an easy target. But we're, we're, we're here watching this Red Sox team preach versatility. What yeah. about a perennial all-star that's versatile? That's played three positions so far this year. Yeah, really a perennial, a perennial top envy getter. He's, he's, he's better than an all-star. Yes. Um, sorry. I actually meant to say my brain said MVP. My mouth said all-star. But other than that, I got Braves Astros is a good series. Uh, Toronto, New York. Oh, yeah, um, that's good. Tonight, or not tonight, tomorrow, Alec Manoa versus Garrett Cole. That's going to be a really good one. You don't um, say. Yeah. Uh, Dylan Cease versus Shane McClanahan. Fox, the national game at four. Uh, Have you noticed that, like, the Aces line up on the same day? Yeah, they they're need, doing they're, it all this year. They need to have a bunch of weird off days and stuff and like push a guy back a start because it's too much for one day. You can't then, watch um, five games. No, on Sunday, I, I think we highlighted all the good series on Sunday uh, for Red Sox wise is Bayo versus. So we kind of missed the three headed monster of um, well, at least the top two of the three starters, but we do get Corbin Burns on Sunday. So that'll be fudge too. Um but yeah, uh, Sandy Alcantara versus Biebs on Saturday too. What a day! Oh yeah, my goodness, this is the third time this is lined up that all those guys start on the same day. Yeah, that's nice though. Keep those injuries out of uh, baseball. That'd be great. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so we kind of nailed it there. I mean, I guess my most is Toronto versus the Yankees. It's going to be a good series. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully... I would say I know we're kind of in the MLB set, but I think how good the Rays are overshadowed how good the Yankees are. These are scary good. Yeah, they're just good again. I We don't need to talk about it because it's just depressing. But they don't have Rondon either. Done candy lining. No. <laughs> All right, let's do it. 3-0. and Let's go to everybody's favorite set, uh, everybody's favorite game that's sweeping the nation. It's get year. It's time to play guess that year. Tom Brown enters today. Three and zero. The pressure is immense. Like fast. The pressure is immense. Feeling. I can see he's actually sweating. All of our uh, podcast listeners. <clears throat> I'm actually not. My basement's freezing right now. This year for an hour. This year, this is going to be tough. We're ever crossover here of MVPs. Okay. Okay. The National League MVP is Johnny Bench. Okay. Full time winner. The AL MVP. Boog Powell of the Baltimore Orioles. Okay. Cy Young winner for the National League, Bob Gibson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cy Young winner for the American League, Jim Perry. Jim who? You froze. Perry. Jim Perry? Gaylord? Yep. Minnesota. Who, who calls him Jim? Gaylord Perry, Jack. Mm -hmm. Or it's uh, Gaylord's brother, Jim. Is it? 
I thought Gaylord was his nickname. The blurb here is the Perrys are the first brothers to top their respective league and wins. Oh, how about that? Okay. I didn't know it either. Okay. I got two years in mind here. Now, as we all know, 19, this is not a guess. This is me, my process. This is not a guess. We all know that in the year 1971, the Orioles played the Pirates in the World Series. Boog Powell was a big first baseman for the Orioles. But what do we think here? Was Johnny Bench the MVP in 1971? I don't know. Ah, oh, God. Boog is messing with me. Well, Johnny Bench is messing with me because 75 and 76 and 77, that fucking Reds team. 74. Ah. Uh, I'm going to be completely honest with you. Bob Gibson... Because he was really good in 1967. But it's definitely not, I can tell you this. It's not 68, because I believe Denny McLean won the AL Cy Young in the year of the pitcher. But so did Bob Gibson. I don't love it. I don't love it. I'm going to say 1970. Wow. Fuck you. Oh! Oh, the kid can't be stopped. That was oh, a complete my guess. God. That was a complete guess. Oh, don't be sour. That was a guess. That was a guess. A lot of cool things happened this year. Um, Tom Seaver set the ML record when he fanned 10 Padres in a row uh, and tied the MLB, the then MLB record of 19 strikeouts in a game. Willie Mays and Hank Aaron both collected their 3,000 hits. And Bobby Bonds, the strikeout record with 189. That has been shattered. Hello, Adam Dunn. Yep. Oh, yeah. Alex Johnson beat uh, Yaz in the batting title 320 to 328.7. Ooh. Spicy. All right, Tom. Yeah. Well, great job. As oh, all, man. Always oh, oh, I'm going to I'm going to ride this high all the way to dinner tonight. I might That's skip good. lunch. Gas. Uh, all right. Uh, well, have a fun watching pictures tomorrow, Tom. Yeah, at the Great Wolf Lodge. Ooh, stay yeah. frost. Yeah, I'm gonna do some uh, some water tubing, and some pea infested water. All right, Jack. I'll see you later. Bye.